So if you've been with us for a little while, we're going through the Story Bible, and today we're in chapter 12, and so we're just going to take a little bit of time to break that down. Sorry, I know we got, well, I got six minutes left. Yeah, so I might take a couple more than that today, because I want you to learn a couple uh, just important things. Today we look at the story of David. You've heard of the story of David before. There's a lot happening within Scripture when we look at his story. 62 different chapters, in fact. And when we hear the description of David, we hear about a man who's after God's own heart. If somebody wrote 62 different chapters about your life thus far, how would people describe you? Would you be a man or a woman after God's own heart? I hope so. The story of David, you remember all the different pieces in scripture? He's the shepherd boy, the youngest of all his brothers that's chosen at a young age to be king. We were told within scripture that he plays the harp. He's a musician. He writes uh, quite a few of the different psalms for us that are just beautiful and very, very impactful. Most of us, uh, whether you go to church or not, you've heard the story of David and Goliath, of this young boy being able to slay this mighty giant. And as we fast forward to where we get to today in our reading, David is about 50 years old, and he sits as king. He's been king now for about 20 years. He's doing a wonderful job. He's listening to God and his word. He's pushing the people forward, having a lot of different victories. And then today something happens. Today, David just blows it. He makes a, a really, really bad mistake. This is where our text begins today. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. But David remained in Jerusalem. I know that peace seems so innocent, but David always goes off to war. He always goes fighting on behalf of the people. But for some reason today, he decides, I'm going to take a little me time. I'm going to back up here, and I'm just going to call this one in. Do you ever feel like doing that? You just want to kick back? You just want to relax? You don't want to do anything? Maybe it's not even being lazy. It's good for us to rest. Our bodies need sleep. Our bodies need rest. But you know what your body does not need? To be idle. To be idle in the callings that God has for you. You don't need to be idle at your job or your vocation. You don't need to be idle in your marriage or in your relationships with others. You especially don't need to be idle in the relationship that you have with God. But today, David kind of throttles it back. He becomes idle and he falls into a trap. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, we hear. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. These are the words that Paul gives to that church in Ephesus, and he gives to our church today. He says, don't become idle so you can fall into those traps. The devil is always looking for ways to be able to get you. And when you become idle at your work, in your marriage, in your relationship with God, or any other area, that's when he's going to come and get you. Suit up, people. We're in a battle every single day, whether you recognize it or not. 
the devil always coming after you to be able to get you. And today in our story, the devil comes after this great king, this man of God. He comes after David. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the rooftop of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. David's not doing anything wrong up on his rooftop. He just goes up there probably just in the cool of the night to be able to hang out for a little while. Bathsheba's not doing anything wrong. She's not trying to show herself off to anybody. This is how the city would have been set up, so you can see into different areas, especially from the king's palace. It's not bad that David sees something going on. You will see very beautiful things in our world all the time. Every one of us. There are a lot of very beautiful things in our world. But how do we act toward those things, appropriately or inappropriately? David could have turned around at any point. David could have just done nothing. But instead, he has action. He sends someone to be able to go and find out who that woman is. He should have known better. He's been given instruction not to do this by God himself. There's a section in the book of Deuteronomy where it's all of the different laws for the people, and there's a section that's just for kings alone. People like King David. And the Lord says, kings must not take many wives, or their hearts will be led astray. You can't get much more clear than this. God tries to give him a warning. People around him try to give him a warning. In fact, listen to this response when the servant goes and checks out who Bathsheba is. He says, this is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. If you just speed through scripture real fast, you might miss this piece. So technically, when somebody would refer properly to a woman in scripture, they didn't have last names like you and I do or middle names like you and I do. And so a woman would be referred to by her genealogy. So they would say, this is Bathsheba. She is daughter, just as the servant says, of Eliam. Then they would say who the grandfather was to be able to provide more clarity. Notice today that the servant doesn't mention the grandfather. He gives a very different detail. He says, David, this is the wife of Uriah. This woman is, is married. This is a bad idea. You shouldn't do this. David doesn't listen to God. David doesn't listen to his friend. And our text moves on. It says, then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. And that's it. He blows it. He messes up. How does this happen? How does David get to this point? Part of it's being idle, but in that laziness or being idle, it's the fact that he forgets who God is. Do you ever forget who God is? I bet you do. I do. I forget who God is when making decisions sometimes. I forget who God is maybe in the morning when I wake up and I shouldn't do my devotion first, but I want to do something else. I forget who God is lots of times in my life. And when we forget who God is, we forget the calling that he has in our life. And unfortunately, that leads us down a bad path sometimes. Don't forget 
who the Lord is in your life. We move on. Uh, David gets caught in this lie. The woman Bathsheba that he's with ends up having, uh, becoming pregnant. And when she becomes pregnant, he tries to trick her husband. Her husband's off at war, fighting for David and for the people. And so he calls Uriah back and he says, you know, go hang out with your wife. Celebrate. Take, take a break. And wouldn't you know it, Uriah is such a faithful servant. He sleeps on the floor at the palace and he doesn't go home. David tries one more night. He even gives him a whole bunch of drink and tries to get him to go home. And it doesn't work. He's too faithful and he stays there. So David gives Uriah a little note. And he says, here, go back to battle. Thanks for hanging out with me. And the note within it says to put Uriah at the very front of the battle lines. And when the battle is the hottest, pull everybody back. And when you pull everybody back, make sure Uriah is struck down. It happens just the way that David sets it up. He sets up a, a murder to be able to cover his own sin. Maybe you've never committed the act of murder before, but I bet you've committed a sin to hide another sin, a lie to hide another lie. And maybe we get away with it. Maybe we hide it from people around us. But I promise we don't hide it from God. He knows and he sees, and that's exactly where that chapter ends. It says that the Lord is displeased with David. He sends a man named Nathan, a prophet, to be able to talk to David. And when Nathan goes to him, he tells him a story. He says, David, there's two men in this town over here. One is super rich, and the other is super poor. The one that's really rich has everything. He's got sheep, he's got cattle, he's got lambs, he's got anything, more than he would ever need. The poor man has one lamb. He saved up everything that he had to be able to purchase it. He loves this lamb so much, he lets it eat at the table with him, he says. He lets it sleep in the bed with him. He said he treats this lamb like it's his own daughter. A traveler comes into town to stay with the rich man. The rich man decides he wants to have dinner that night. And instead of taking from his lambs, his sheep, his goats, his cattle, anything that he has, he wouldn't even miss it. He goes and he steals from the poor man and takes the one and only lamb that he loves so much and takes it for his own. David is furious. He is so angry and says, this man must die. He will suffer four times over what he has done to this other individual. Tell me, Nathan, who is it? And Nathan points at David and says, you are that man. You are the one who stole. Imagine what that must have been like for David. He gets, he gets stuck. You know, it's really easy to point out the sin of other people in our world, to point out the things that certain people do or do not do, to criticize their beliefs or ideas, criticize the way they bring their children up, to criticize what their marriage looks like. You name it, we can criticize people all day long for the sins that they do. But when that finger points back at us and it's the sin that we have done, it hurts and we get stuck. And it's really difficult to be able to deal with. 
Today, David knows what that pain is like. And you and I, too, know what that pain is like. But in that moment, David comes to realize he has an out. Immediately, he confesses to God. Our scripture says, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And listen to the response. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. This morning, that's one of the first things that all of us did together. We confessed our sin, and Pastor Mark said, your sin is forgiven. And guess what? That is the truth. That our sins are forgiven when we confess them to God. It really is that simple. It really is that easy. But don't think that that doesn't mean there are not consequences for our sin. Forgiveness is the great part. The consequences are the difficult part. And today in the story of David, there's a lot of consequences. If you read ahead, or Pastor Mark and I will try to cover it in our Bible study this week, uh, David's family really gets into it. Siblings killing siblings. One of his sons trying to go after his own father and take over the throne. And today, that baby that is born to Bathsheba, the Lord says that that child is going to die because of this sin. There's going to be a really harsh consequence. It's horrific that this poor little baby has to die for the sin of another. But guess what? That's our story too. In the story of David and Bathsheba, it's the son of Bathsheba that has to die. But in our story, it's the son of Mary that has to die. That's actually what we celebrate, believe it or not, during this time of Christmas about this little baby who was born for us in this wooden manger to become a savior, to be able to take a wooden cross upon his back for each and every one of us. But that's, again, as I mentioned, the good news. The Lord looks down from heaven today, and for each one of us that are here, whatever you're doubting, whatever you're struggling with today, whatever you're going for, remember, don't forget God. Have him always there with us. Because the Lord looks down from heaven today, and when he sees you, and you ask that question, who is loved? Who is God's child? Who is forgiven? And he points at every one of us, and he says, you are that man. You are that woman. You are loved by God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of being able to know your great gospel and for sending your son to this earth to be able to live, die, and rise again from our sins. Uh, Lord, just continue to be able to strengthen us as we look forward to being able to celebrate Christmas and being able to realize this great gift that you have provided in our lives. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.